We are so excited when we see new people come through that door that want to worship with us, and we're so happy. But there are sad times, too, when we have some faithful members that move on, and that's the way it is with one of ours this week. Cody Toll is going to be with us one more Sunday, next Sunday, and then he'll be leaving for his new job. We've enjoyed Cody. We've seen him play the guitar. We've seen him play violin. We've seen him play most everything up here, and he's always added so much to the service. So at this time, Cody's going to play for us. So show him how much you've appreciated him, all right? Cody. You know, we all need words of encouragement, don't we? And some people are just good at giving words of encouragement. And then there are others who seem to have a gift for doing just the opposite. Two weeks ago, Cindy and I attended a Christian convention in Louisville, Kentucky. It was Tuesday afternoon. We were eating at Subway in downtown Louisville. It was a pretty nice day. 
and we decided to eat our lunch outside. Uh, there were some tables and chairs outside of the subway shop there on the sidewalk, and, and uh, it just seemed like a good place to land with our food and enjoy the afternoon and see the, the people walking by and the cars going by. And, and we hadn't no more than sit down with our lunch to eat when some fellow walked up to our table. Uh, He was a strange fellow to us, of course. We didn't know who he was, but he walked right up to us. He was looking at me, and he said, Sir, what's up with the toilet bowl? And I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, I'm sorry, say again. And he did say it again. He said, what's up with the toilet bowl? And I noticed then that he was looking at my head. And I realized he's talking about my haircut, my hairstyle. He's referring to it as a toilet bowl. I mean, this guy was a real encourager to me. And I looked at his head, and his head was completely bald on purpose. He had shaved his head, and he had taken it upon himself to become an advocate for shaved heads. And there he stood at our table, I I know at least for five minutes, trying to convince me that I needed to shave my head. And I put it off on Cindy. I said, she likes it. (laughs) She likes to run her hands, her fingers through my hair. And then, wouldn't you know it, my wife goes on the defense and she's saying, I do not like that. (laughs) Finally, he walked away. And we were able to eat our lunch in peace. He did not have the gift of encouragement. I'm going to be different than that today. I'm going to give to you some words of encouragement from God's Word. Our Lord is able to bring peace to our troubled lives. When the storms of life hit, he is able still to calm the troubled waters. Would you look with me at Mark chapter 4, verse 35. We're going to go verse by verse through this passage and dissect it. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Now, of course, this is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to his disciples. You remember he has just spent the entire day teaching the crowds about the kingdom of God. And over these last two weeks, Dusty and Caleb have taken some time to to preach sermons on those parables that Jesus was preaching on that day to the crowd that was listening to him. The day of preaching is now finished. And Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Let me read to you verse 36. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Keep in mind, at least four of these disciples were professional fishermen. Peter... Andrew and James and John, they have spent 
a lot of time on this Sea of Galilee. They know this body of water quite well. And they know, too, how dangerous it can be to be caught in the middle of the sea and have a storm come up. The problem here in this text is they didn't know a storm was coming. Verse 37. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. All of a sudden, they are in trouble. Mark Moore, in his writing on this text, says that the Sea of Galilee was known for these kinds of storms. Let me read to you from Mark Moore in his commentary. He writes this, The storm comes suddenly, as is common. On the Sea of Galilee, the lake sits in a basin 685 feet below sea level, surrounded by hills 2,000 feet high. When the wind comes across those hills, they sweep down quickly and with a great force. This furious squall, which is what the NIV translates this as, this furious squall is the word used for a hurricane. It is a tremendously powerful storm, unquote. Now, you may have noticed in the New American Standard Bible, uh, it refers to this as a fierce gale of wind. We are talking about a monster storm, and it has struck so quickly that these experienced fishermen didn't see it coming, and they know that they are in trouble. And probably they have had too many of their friends who have not come back from such a storm as this. The waves were crashing and already the boat was filling up with water. Now for a moment, could I just make some application here to our lives? Have you ever felt blindsided by a monster storm? You know, I'm sure all of us have felt that at one time or another. Some of you maybe even have felt that kind of a storm hit you this week to a point that you felt the boat you were riding in, the life that you were living was filling up to the brim and it was going to take you down. Whether it's, whether it's the death of someone you love or a marriage problem, or a family problem, maybe it's a financial crisis, maybe it's a health issue, or a relational issue. Lots of different storms that come our way. The fact is, they do come. Storms do come, and sometimes they are big and they are overwhelming. Last week, one of the highlights of our time in Louisville was we got to hear in person Johnny Erickson Tata. Many of you know her story. But for those of you who maybe have not heard her story, I'll give to you just a brief summary of her storm that would that hit her, can you believe this, 46 years ago. At the age of 17, she was in a diving accident that left her paralyzed from the shoulders down. She's been a quadriplegic in a wheelchair ever since. You talk about a monster storm. Johnny Erickson Tata could tell you what that means. Her boat was filled up to the brim. And she was about to go under. After that accident, she speaks of how she, she dealt with depression, severe depression and anger. And bitterness and doubts 
People would say to her that God loved her, but she couldn't figure that out. How in the world could a God of love let something like this happen? She wanted to commit suicide. She couldn't even get the job done because she couldn't move. She had a choice to make. Was she going to let the storm win? Was she going to let this take her down, this anger, this bitterness, this this mode of life that she was now in? Was that going to win over her or was she going to win over the storm? Well, over time, if you know her story, the message of Jesus began to sink in and Johnny's life changed and her attitude forever changed. Now, don't think that it became easy for her because it didn't. Even to this day, life is not easy for her. And her, her story of the accident, that's such an old story, such a long time ago that that happened. What, what she shared with us was the challenges in her life today that she still lives with. Every day, she said, is a challenge for her. She told of how, how she has to have people care for her every day and bathe her and feed her and take her to the bathroom. And she told of how she wakes up in the morning. Every morning, she wakes up in unbearable pain. And she has to lay there and decide if she's going to give in to the temptation to complain. Or is she going to to let Jesus have control and help her through the day? It is a constant battle that she fights. But she knows who to call on. She knows Jesus is the only one who can help her. And help her has he. Wow. I didn't realize that I was looking on the internet just reading a little bit more about her. She has written over 48 books since that time. She, of course, is a professional speaker, motivational speaker, inspiring speaker for Jesus. She became a professional artist. Maybe you've seen some of her artwork. Holds the paintbrush with her teeth and paints beautifully. She has become an advocate for people with handicaps all over the country, all over the world. She has traveled speaking in behalf of handicapped people and bringing the awareness up for handicapped people. I mean, she has known who to look to, to lean on, to find help from, and that is Jesus. The disciples were about to learn that lesson. As they were in the boat and the waves were coming in and the water was coming up. Let me read to you verse 38. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, how he was asleep in the stern of the boat, I'll never know. He was either exhausted or he was playing possum, waiting to see if indeed they were going to call on him. And they did call on him. But it was more for him to help them bail out water from the boat. They needed an extra hand. It's interesting how they address Jesus in this crisis. Mark's gospel, they address him as teacher, 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 don't you care that we are perishing? Now, I'm sure it wasn't a soft and and gentle voice that they used at that moment. In fact, they were a little miffed at Jesus that he might be asleep and, and not helping them in their crisis. Teacher, teacher, don't you care? 
that we are perishing? Luke's gospel, they call him master, which by the way means commander. Master, master, they said, we are perishing. Matthew's account says it this way, save us, Lord, we are perishing. I mean, these guys were in desperation. Uh, Master, teacher, Lord, we are perishing. Do you care about that? I want to tell you, he does care. When we are in a crisis situation, he cares greatly. And he is about to show that to his disciples in a very dramatic fashion. Let me read to you verse 39. And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. The text says he rebuked the wind. Wouldn't you like to be able to do that sometimes (laughs) as it blows Here in Kansas, my family gives me a hard time about how the wind blows in Kansas. And I just tell them it blows over here from Missouri. (laughs) You know, as much as I'd sometimes like to, I have no authority to rebuke the wind. And neither do you. But Jesus had that kind of authority. The word rebuked in the original language is the word epitomeo. It means to chide. To reprove, to admonish sharply, to scold. Think about it. Jesus ordered the wind and the waves to stop. He scolded the wind. He admonished sharply the waves and said, Shh, be still. The NIV says that he charged the wind to be quiet. The New Living Translation says it this way. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Silence! Be still. In the original language, it is literally, be muzzled. Can you imagine? Jesus silenced the storm with the spoken word. The text says, suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. It's amazing to think about. But it was even more amazing for the disciples to experience. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, something like what you and I might do with a little child when we tell them to sit down and be quiet. Shh, we say. Be still. The big difference would be that the wind and the waves perfectly obeyed his voice. The word rebuke is the same word that is oftentimes used in Scripture when Jesus rebuked the demons to come out of a person. Luke chapter 9, 42 says this, And while he was still approaching, the demon dashed him to the ground and threw him into a convulsion. But Jesus, here it is, rebuked the the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. Same word of what Jesus used when he rebuked the wind and the waves. Mark chapter 1, verses 23 through 26. Let me read that passage of scripture to you. 
Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him. There's the word. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. Jesus had authority to command the evil spirits and he had authority to command the wind and the waves and in both instances, the end result was peace. It shouldn't surprise us that in Mark's gospel... He follows up the story, and this, this is what happened anyway, chronologically. He follows up the story of Jesus calming the wind and the waves with the story of the young man from Gadara who was filled with the legion of demons. And Jesus encountered him personally, and he brought a calmness to his life too. Let me remind you of some of the highlights of that story. We don't have time to read the whole story. But I'll give to you some of the highlights. Maybe you remember he was filled with a legion of demons. They were wreaking havoc upon his life. And through this man, the whole community of Gadara was being terrorized. He was living amongst the tombs just outside of the village. And the people would hear him scream, these blood-curdling screams through the night. And you can put yourself in their shoes. You're lying peacefully in your bed. The windows are open to let the night air come in and cool you. And you're sleeping soundly when all of a sudden you are brought straight up out of your bed by this blood-curdling scream. And it sounds like it's just right outside of your window. But it's really not. It's outside of town. And you know where the scream has come from because you have heard it many, many times before. And it has, has disturbed you. It's disturbing your children. You're, you're all just scared to death. And this man who's screaming. He's been tried to, we tried to corral him before. He runs around naked. He cuts himself with stones and he bleeds and, and he's wild and he's out of control. And there have been times that, that a, a group of men from the community have gone out there and, and they've tried to manhandle him. They've grabbed a hold of him and they've captured him and they bound him with chains. And, and then with superhuman strength, he, he breaks the chains. He's uncontrollable. He fights off his captors. And, and, and things only get worse. And the community is at their wit's end. They don't know what to do with this fellow. They, they've tried everything that they can think of to, to bring him under control. And all they know to do is simply warn their children, don't go near that cemetery. Because that's where the wild man lives. Well, Jesus and his disciples show up at Gadara just after they have calmed the storm. And this crazy man meets Jesus on the seashore. 
as soon as Jesus steps out of the boat, there he is. And do you remember what he says to Jesus? He says, what do I have to do with you, son of God, son of the most high God? Isn't it interesting? The passage that I read to you from Mark chapter 1 and this passage out of Mark chapter 5, the demons know who Jesus is and they know that they are subject to him. He he says to Jesus, I implore you by God, do not torment me. The NIV says it this way, swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said, come out of the man, you evil spirit. He epitomeoed him. He rebuked that evil spirit and told them to come out of the man. And so you see, the evil spirits are begging Jesus for mercy. They know that they are subject to his authority. They ask if he would let them go into the herd of swine, which is adjacent to them. And Jesus allowed it. Do you remember what happened as those demons were released out of the man and went into the herd of swine? Those swine went crazy and they went running off of a cliff into the sea and drowned. And there are so many points that I could emphasize to you from this story. One, Jesus has complete authority over the demons. And they know it. He has as much authority over the demons as what he had over the wind and the waves. Number two, Satan brings complete havoc and destruction into our lives. Therefore, we must guard ourselves from him lest he ruin us he wants to do a number on you he wants to have his way with you he wants you to drift away from jesus and give in to his temptations and to his way of living and as you slowly drift away from jesus and you give in to him he will destroy you That's what he does best, is bring destruction. And there's a third point that we can learn from this. I have it there for you on the screen. Jesus wants to bring to you peace. Just as he brought peace to the wind and the waves, and just as he brought peace to this man's life who lived in Gadara, so too he can bring peace to your life and to my life if we will look to him, if we will surrender to him. Mark chapter 4, 39 says, And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. You've seen that on the lakes. Maybe you've been water skiing, maybe you've just been fishing, maybe you've been just along uh, the lake on on a dock and, and it's just, you look out across it and it's like glass. You've seen that. And you realize it's gone from this hurricane, this monster storm, to after Jesus rebuked the storm, it was like glass. And the disciples are sitting there and they're going, Whoa. It says they were frightened. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey his voice? 
And Mark chapter 5, 15 says, and they came to Jesus. This is the townspeople. Remember, the ones who have been watching over the, the swine, when the swine have gone crazy and gone off of the deep end, they went running back to tell the story to the people in Gadara, and then the whole town comes out to see Jesus and what's going on. And verse 15 says, They came to Jesus and observed a man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very one who had had the legion. You see, both of these scenes... The wind and the waves gone and the water like glass and this man sitting and clothed and in his right mind, there are scenes of peace after the storm. And that is what Jesus wants to do for you and for me. He wants to give to us his peace. He wants to muzzle the storms that are in our lives and give to us His perfect peace. Johnny Erickson Tata talked about that constant abiding peace that is in her heart, even amidst the storm that she lives in every day of her life. She said, I'd rather be in this chair and know Him than to be out of this chair and to not know Him. Her testimony was absolutely amazing and inspiring. And her peace amidst the storm was inspiring. We can have peace amidst our storms too. We can be sure that storms will come. Sometimes, hear me, sometimes he may choose to calm the storm completely. But other times, he may choose to give you peace amidst the storm. Do you see the difference there? Sometimes, he may choose to remove the storm and make your life just like glass. But other times, the storm can continue to rage, but amidst the storm, you have peace. And both ways are good, and both ways should cause us to give him praise. And by the way, he wants us to spread the good news about his peace to us. In Mark chapter 5, as Jesus was getting ready to, to get back into the boat to leave, which tells me, you know, he, he, he arrives... He encounters the man with the legion of demons. He heals him. He rebukes the evil spirits. And then we find him getting back into the boat and he's going to go somewhere else. That tells me Jesus specifically said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. He went there with a purpose. And the purpose was to encounter this man and to show his authority over the demon world and to give this man peace. But as he's getting back into the boat, he's ready to leave. The man who had the demon possession wants to go with him. He says, will you take me with you? And verse 19 says, and he did not let him. Jesus did not let him. But he said to him, 
Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And brothers and sisters, that's what he wants us to do too. He wants us to go and tell others about the peace that he's given to us. The world needs peace. That's an understatement, isn't it? The world needs peace. And if we have been given his peace, we need to tell the world about that and how they can find peace through Jesus. Let me conclude by reading this one verse from John 16, 33. And you may, you may be very familiar with this verse. If not, it's one you need to mark in your Bibles. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace, Jesus said. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two stories of Jesus calming the storm and calming a person's life who was so wrecked by the devil. He is our perfect peace. And so thank you for the peace that you bring to us. And Lord, maybe there's, there's some folks here that are in the middle of a storm right now. I pray that they would look to you for that peace in their life. Help all of us when the storms come that we can have your peace. In Jesus' name.